sorry I don't love you A phrase I've grown accustomed to Cause with you if something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right I wish you could be happy Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. This week we have another Star Wars topic. I know we've covered Star Wars quite a bit here, but what can I say? It's one of the geekiest, nerdiest topics to talk about. And this week I have on Sean Gonzalez. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing quite well. Having a good day. How are you? Pretty good. And I know you said you are a huge Star Wars fan, which I had no clue before we had this whole conversation over Twitter. But before we dive into our topic, why don't you tell our listeners a little about what you do? Um, So I'm a creative content manager and a staff writer at New Noise Magazine. So basically what I do is just I conduct interviews, I do features, I do premieres. I also do a slur of news posts when I have the time between everything. But Basically, I uh, look at my email and I talk to people and then I make sure that I have uh, research done for bands when I need to interview them or that I can write something out if I need to on a premiere or just think of funny interview topics for the magazine, both online and uh, our own print magazine. So that's what I do in the music industry, at least. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's obviously something that sounds a lot more fun than I would say most people's day jobs and everything. But today, like I said, we're going to talk about Star Wars and our topic specifically is Tarkin by James Luceno. It's one of the newer canon books. And I know that not everyone who is a big Star Wars fan is necessarily also a big reader. So when I found out you had read quite a few of the books, you know, that sort of gave us the perfect opportunity to do this. But why don't you go ahead and start us off with sort of the general plot of Tarkin? Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, So I picked up Tarkin last year and I found out it was written by James Luceno, who also did Darth Plagueis and a couple Darth Vader novels. And he also just recently did Catalyst. Uh, a Rogue One story. So just knowing that name and knowing uh, he wrote Darth Plagueis, I was really excited because he did such a great job at giving a profile and kind of a almost autobiography for the character. So I was really excited that Tarkin was getting something. And so this novel kind of goes into Tarkin's backstory. It gives a little bit of his personality and how he became such a rigid and cunning and... Uh, great character as we see him in A New Hope. Um, and it starts off kind of going into his background and how the Tarkins basically were the ones that colonized Eriadu, the planet in which he lives, and how he basically is in this big family that no matter where he goes is going to be noted, like noteworthy to everybody. And he's uh, overseeing the early building of the Death Star, and he's specifically, I think, at the time of the novel is the hyperdrive is being installed, and this is five years after the Clone Wars and after Palpatine has declared himself Emperor. And all of a sudden, uh, at his station, a bunch of droid starfighters start attacking, and then there's a bunch of holonet recordings that start getting put across to some uh, other worlds, kind of showing that the Empire can be beaten or can get attacked and can lose. So then, knowing this and knowing that it's so close to the Death Star, which it's not really mentioned right away, but that's what the project is. Palpatine enlists Vader and Tarkin to go and figure out what's going on. They go and track down an arms dealer, and then they realize that they're using holonet device from the Clone Wars, which uh, is mentioned like a little bit, that they go back to a planet called Mercana where 
Tarkin had originally been. But um, so Vader and Tarkin, the rest of the novel, are trying to figure out what these rebels are doing. They end up stealing Tarkin's own shuttle, the carry-on spike, and they're kind of traveling, trying to chase it down and then predicting where it's going to be. And Tarkin and Vader are kind of using their own strategies to figure out the best way to shut this down. They then realize that there is a spy within the ship of the Executrix, which is kind of the, one of the, or maybe not the Executrix, but one of the Star Destroyers. Uh, there's a Admiral Rancid who, or General Rancid, and he is kind of giving these rebels some information on where to attack next, and they figure it out through Tarkin's like history and like reading back on it, and then once they figure that out. Vader and Tarkin are able to get rid of both Rancid and the Rebels, and then Tarkin eventually becomes Grand Moff Tarkin, which is kind of where the book ends, and it goes back to him overseeing the Death Star. Yeah, definitely, and the thing with this book is, you know, it covers a good stretch of time there, and even though Vader is in the book, he's not in it so much to the point where it's sort of takes over and becomes a Vader book. I know at times it might seem like that briefly, but for me, when I was reading it, I was like, okay, this is about Tarkin. And then I didn't really know what to expect going into this because I believe I read this as an ebook. So I didn't, you know, get the inside cover to read before starting the book or anything to have any clue of what it was going to be about or, you know, sort of what time it would take us through. And you mentioned the Executrix, and that was sort of the Star Destroyer that was basically given to Tarkin as his own sort of personal ship. And just in him being on that ship, you can sort of see exactly what kind of, I wouldn't say ruler necessarily, because he's obviously not the ruler of the Empire, but what kind of person he is and how he goes about doing business for the empire and he just has this coldness to him and the way that James Luceno writes this character it puts so much emphasis on some of the smaller things that they maybe couldn't have gone in depth in for the movies and everything like that so I really do think that these books add a lot of depth to specific characters and I know there have been other books solely based on one character, you know, we have the Ahsoka book and there's a Thrawn book coming in, coming out and I think they're doing a really great job picking which characters to focus on with these books. So when you first read this, were you just excited to sort of see where this would go and what sort of character Tarkin really was? Yeah, and I think I think I didn't appreciate it as much as I did when I first read it. Like even when I first saw Star Wars and New Hope, I kind of understood that, and this is going way back, but I kind of understood that Tarkin is, like, a bad guy. Right. But again, like, there was just, like, he was just there, and he, now when I, like, watch him, I definitely appreciate him more because of the way he presents himself and the way he is so just staunch and just upright. And it's like, all right, so how did he get this way? And I think this book really was something I came to, like, be like, holy cow, like, this is actually amazing. Because I didn't really give this character a lot of thought. Like, George Lucas didn't even give this character a lot of thought. Like, even in the Clone Wars, like, yeah, there's an arc with him, but he gets, like, picked up and almost strangled by some random dude. And after reading this book, I'm like, there's no way that Tarkin would let that happen. Right. So I think this book definitely 
now is like perfect in establishing just how rigid and how calculated this guy was. I think especially because like he's sitting on the Death Star and he's like evacuate in our moment of triumph and like when you're younger you're like well, I don't care but then when you think about it he's like this guy just knew the power of everything and he believed in it so much and that's hinted at in this book throughout the entire book like the, his trials everything it's great yeah and when Tarkin and Vader were both tasked to sort of get to the bottom of who the mole was basically who the traitor was you can tell it's like because of the two types of people they are or mostly people in Vader's case, but right. they are right. bound to butt heads basically. And, you know, Tarkin might want to do something one way and Vader might want to do it the other way. And Vader's obviously much stronger out of the two of them. So if he really, really wanted to, he could just force Tarkin to let Vader have to let him have his way. And, I think, you know, Luceno does a great job of just showing how convincing and powerful Tarkin can be just being a person. He doesn't use the force or anything. That's definitely Vader's realm over there. And he just has this presence about him that, you know, terrifies some of the people in the Empire who work underneath him. Yeah, and I think that's so... That's so special that Luceno was the one that got to do this because he not only did some stuff with uh, bringing a little bit of Plagueis' backstory into canon, but he made like the entire Empire just feel kind of the menacing and kind of uh, almost like it's like a bunch of people trying to fight for their lives to get to where they want to be. I mean, that's the entire reason the mole was there. He wanted to eventually take out the traitors himself so that he could be promoted, but he didn't realize that he would be betrayed himself by like two different people at once. So I just think that Luceno really did a good job at portraying, hey, this is Tarkin and he is going to fight, but he's going to win because he's already done all this other stuff in his life. But I think at the same time, there's that, there's one uh, page where I think it's like page on the book, it's like 149, but they're trying to get to the arms dealer to let them borrow their ship. Basically, they're going to take their ship. Right. And this guy is being, like, this rigid a-hole. And then Tarkin's like, you might want to, like, back up because I have Vader right here. Like, there are better ways to appease Vader. And I think they understand each other at that moment where it's just like, you know what, I have this guy, he's a menace, but I also have my own ways of dealing it. But they kind of forget it and just work together. It's really great. Yeah, and I quickly want to break down the two main ships that we see in here. So the Carrion Spike is the one that was Tarkin's personal modified stealth corvette ship, basically. And that's the one right. that is stolen. And they don't know who stole it just yet at first. And then the Star Destroyer Executrix that we already mentioned, that ultimately becomes the ship that Tarkin has for himself and is in charge of and everything. And that's the ship that he also uses to go after this fleet and just completely destroy them or capture as many people as they can. And, you know, obviously anyone who is a Star Wars fan knows how big a Star Destroyer is. And then when you put something like that next to the Death Star, it really looks so tiny, but it still can cause so much damage to 
a small a fleet of smaller ships. So, you know, it was a pretty bold move in the first place to steal the carry on spike, considering it right. was something that was personal to Tarkin. It wasn't just, you know, oh, hey, they stole a bunch of TIE fighters or something like that. And, you know, those are obviously sort of made in mass for the Empire to use, but something like a personalized ship for one of the higher ups in the Empire that's a pretty bold move. And, you know, I'm probably not quite as familiar with the Star Wars universe as yourself, because sometimes I read stuff and I'm like, wait, what? what is this planet? Who is this? What? What is going <laughs> right. on? And I feel like you can get so lost in just some of the smaller things, like all the different types of ships in Star Wars. But I feel like here, this book does a great job of pretty much focusing really on these two ships this way you're not like okay wait who's in what and what is going on here so i think that narrowed focus really helps to allow you to focus more on the characters themselves as well right and i definitely think that luceno does that well and i think that's what this book needed was you didn't you didn't need to go so much into you know the rest of the empire you just needed to focus on what you love about the empire there's the Star Destroyer, there's this, these ships, there's um, Darth Vader's basically modified Clone Wars Jedi speeder, the ATA 2 and it's like black, and he like, Tarkin makes mention of that, it's like just straight black, and it's perfect, because that's Vader. He wouldn't require anything else at that time. And even like, Tarkin even like mentions that he thinks that Tide Fighters are kind of mass produced just to be destroyed. So it really gives a good insight onto what the early empire was doing and how they were transitioning. And I think that it was showing these ships was great. And then there were some other ships that they mentioned. They mentioned like two YT-1000 um, Corvettes, which if I remember are almost similar to a Millennium Falcon. So there was just a lot of small things that I think Lucena put in there. Like he mentions the droid 114D, which was Darth Plagueis' personal droid. And now it's Palpatine's droid. So I think that little, little canon crossover is cool. And he mentions Ahsoka when he was, um, when Tarkin was taking her, or was in the courtroom trying to like take her out of the Jedi Order. Right. He mentions his work with Evan Peel, who was another Jedi that did die in the Clone Wars, but Tarkin worked with. And the best thing of all, like Luceno wrote out that Tarkin figured out who Darth Vader was. And that to me is so astounding because it shows Tarkin's character. He doesn't give a shit. Right. Okay, you were once you were once Anakin Skywalker. Big whoop. You're powerful. Cool. Let's go get our job done. That's that's basically the extent of it. And it's so well done. Yeah, definitely. And I think just the way he's able to put in those little tidbits, like you mentioned, the droids, mentioning Ahsoka and all of this stuff, he does it in a way that doesn't take away from the main story and you don't end up going down this sort of tangent or this rabbit hole. He still keeps it focused. And personally, for me, one of my favorite aspects of the book was when, you know, Tarkin and Vader were going after the rebels and trying to catch them and it's like you know at times the rebels were just barely one step ahead and the way that Tarkin and Vader catch up so quickly you know Vader is executing Rancid while Tarkin is destroying the fleet on the executrix and to have these things happening all at once and sort of the way that Luceno goes back and forth 
between focusing on here's what Tarkin and Vader are doing, here's what the rebels are doing and what they're feeling. And I just think that sort of back and forth throughout the book really put it into perspective just how each side was going about things. Right. And I think like it almost turned into like a buddy cop like novel. Not really. Like that's probably the worst way to read it. But like my the one scene I'm thinking of is when Vader and Tarkin both kind of are doing the same thing for their own reasons. Like uh, when they're trying to figure out where the Carrion Spike jumped into hyperspace, Tarkin has this idea. He's like, well, I know how much fuel was in it. So if we go by fuel consumption, they're at one of these two spots. Right. And Tarkin had done that to take out pirates that kept attacking his home world when he was head of security. And Vader, like Tarkin's explaining that to Vader and Vader's like, oh, I know all about that. I did that in the Clone Wars. So it's just cool that those two could still like have their own differences, but come and see like this is the best way to get the job done. And then lure the rebels into a trap of their own because then they figured out, well, they have to be getting information from somewhere. So why don't we have them say we're going here, but let's go here. So I just think that it showed a lot of how Tarkin's mind worked because he was very reflective. Like I think those scenes of him standing and just staring out the window really do offer a lot of what you, he would be thinking about from this novel because he is so reflective. He is so stand up and just ready to figure out everything at once. Yeah, definitely. And he is such an interesting character that, you know, after going and seeing Rogue One in theaters, it was like, okay, there's something about this guy. And obviously, having read Tarkin, I believe, after I saw the movie, it sort of put that in a whole new perspective as well. Obviously, the book came out well before Rogue One did. And ideally, I should have read that before watching the movie. But for me, it still sort of had the same kind of effect because I was like, basically intrigued by Tarkin in the movie and I wanted to learn more about him so I think you know that maybe in a sense made Rogue One a little better in that aspect for me and obviously I know Tarkin was CGI in the movie and that's something that I know bothered a lot of people but that's a whole different conversation that I had on the Rogue One podcast already but for me it's just like it wasn't the actor or the CGI character that made me want to learn more about Tarkin. It was the way they portrayed the character, the way they wrote the character in the movie. And I was like, okay, this guy is important. So let me go find out why. And I think that made probably reading this book even better because I was like, okay, I know sort of where he ends up. So let's see how he got there. Yeah. And I think for me, because I read the book over the summer, so I went into Rogue One knowing all this about Tarkin. But I think what I was so excited about was they really did a good job at keeping him level-headed. And that's something that you see throughout every portrayal of Tarkin was no matter what is happening, he is as calm and as collected as possible. And even, like, you see, like, Director Krennic, like, having a freaking meltdown, freaking out, yelling, and Tarkin's just standing there, and he's just like, are you done? So I think that Rogue One really did a great job at taking the characteristics of Tarkin and bringing it back in a way that defies everything. But I love the fact that he just stood there and eventually, and him just saying, you may fire when ready at the very end. And it's just like, damn, this dude is taking out like his 
not nearly rival, but just someone else that wanted to control the Death Star. And Tarkin did it, just stood there and just let everything play out. He had, he had to have known everything. And that's something that I think, I'm sure Catalyst probably goes into a little bit more. And I am going to read that within the next week. But he just is so, not predictable, but he figures out how to figure out what you're going to do without even like showing his cards. Yeah, and I just want to note very quickly that with all of these new canon books, basically what happens is the authors work with the Lucasfilm story group and they sort of keep everything on track. So I think that is also going to help a lot when people go back and dive into the new canon stuff, whether it's the books, the comic books, the movies, whatever it is, even the TV shows now. They've done such a great job of making sure it all ties together just at the right moments. And with James Luceno, obviously, like you said, this book and Catalyst are his canon novels that are out right now. And you mentioned the Darth Plagueis book, which obviously has now become part of, I believe they're calling it the Legends for all of the older Expanded Universe stuff. And I haven't read too much of that stuff before, but simply because of the way he has written Tarkin here, and even after I read Catalyst, I'm definitely interested in going back and reading a bunch of his stuff from the Expanded Universe just to sort of see how he goes about writing even some characters that might not be as relevant now, but still hold some sort of importance to the Empire and everything. Yeah, and so that's what's so magical, and that's why I was really excited when I saw he was the one that wrote this book, because he is really good at getting in a character's head, and even some of the mannerisms, like even some of the way that the dialogue was written in Tarkin, like you can just imagine Tarkin standing there and saying it, and he's just broad-shouldered, straight-backed, tall, and like menacing. That's it. It's great. And so I think it helps that he was asked by the Lucas storyboard to do Tarkin or to continue working on these projects that are kind of a little bit harder to grasp, I think, for a lot of people. Because these are not, like, simple matters. This is an entire empire. This is an entire group of people. But you're focusing on these small individuals that made such a big difference or that really were ready to risk everything and did everything the right way. Because there's even a part where Count Dooku is mentioned in Tarkin and he's trying to persuade Tarkin to join the Confederacy and Tarkin doesn't. Even after Dooku had laid out all of his cards, Tarkin sticks with his loyalty to the, or to the current Chancellor, which is Palpatine. And that was all Palpatine's like trick. If Tarkin would have like gone with Dooku, who knows what could have happened. But... The fact that James Lusteno can like have these moments but still keep with his own timeline of what's happening in the book is really great. And that was something that I saw in Plagueis that I really loved because it's not canon anymore, but it's kind of head canon for a lot of people because it is the master of, um, the, of Palpatine. But he was really good at making sure that he could keep with what was happening currently but also diving into so much dark lore. Yeah, definitely. And for these books, you know, I was actually almost a little disappointed when I saw that he wasn't the one writing the upcoming Thrawn novel, which that will be written by Timothy Zahn. And I know he's also done 
a lot of Star Wars stuff, but I believe a lot of it too was stuff that became legends. So I think what the Lucas film story group does so well is they know sort of which writers to pick for certain books or to approach about certain books. And at least in my experience, I haven't really had any of the Star Wars books so far that I've just not liked at all. I've pretty much liked all of them. The only one I've really seen a lot of people sort of give a bad rep to is the Aftermath series by Chuck Wendig. And I'm yep. currently reading the second book in that. And I believe the third one just came out yesterday. We're recording this on the 22nd. So it came out yesterday on February 21st. And I'm sort of interested in reading that just to see how it ends. But for me, when it comes to fiction books, I'm not so picky about how they're written, I guess, that something like the Aftermath trilogy hasn't bothered me at all. It was a little confusing at first with the first book, but I think, you know, James Luceno for this and Catalyst, he really sort of found his place in the Star Wars universe with the kinds of stories he can write. I agree. And so, yeah, the only thing I know about the Thrawn book is and Timothy Zahn wrote a whole trilogy of Thrawn novels back in like the early 90s, and they were like the first ones that like came out after the original trilogy basically and like okay. continued the story. So he's getting that back, which is great. And I'm sure that there's going to be some kind of big plot for Thrawn coming up soon. Um, but yeah, I think, I just think that Luceto is a really good job at making sure that a character doesn't falter throughout an entire novel. Like Tarkin didn't falter. He didn't falter in any of the movies. He didn't do anything that was kind of out of his character, and I think this book kind of keeps it that way. Even like when he's doing his trial on, on uh, the planet Ariadu, even the way that he was so sure of what would happen, that it's almost unbelievable, but in the same sense, like it's unbelievable that you would just stay on the Death Star when it's being attacked. It's unbelievable that you know you would stay with Palpatine after everything. It's unbelievable that you knew he was a Sith Lord and you would stay with him. You know what I mean? So I just think that they, Luceno kept with the character and I think that Tarkin's intelligence was really shown here. Yeah, absolutely. And despite, you know, Tarkin and Vader succeeding in the end, Luceno also does a great job on focusing on where the rebellion is at basically at this point in time and you know they obviously have some success with their plan and a lot of them know going into being in the rebellion it's like hey okay we're very 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 outnumbered here so you know anytime we go out on a mission especially one as risky as this they all know there's a chance that they won't be returning to whatever rebellion base they're supposed to return to. And sometimes they even leave on missions knowing that they won't be returning at all. And I think this was definitely one of those moments where you just see how hard the rebellion is trying and how hard it is to go up against someone like Tarkin. And that's not even considering the fact that Darth Vader showed up just because, you know, he was essentially ordered to, I think, you know, Tarkin alone probably could have handled this. It might have taken a little longer than it did with Vader helping him. But I think it just really sh 
shows both sides while still focusing more on Tarkin than anyone else. Right. And even like, even the one scene where Tarkin is flying a V-Wing and he's piloting next to Vader, like, that is unbelievable. I think there's so much about that scene that just made me be like, holy cow, this is, this is exactly what I wanted. And it's, sometimes the book's a little dry when they could just continue chasing, or like, sometimes paragraphs just turn into like four about kind of the same thing, especially in that like one space like fight. But I think the fact that we see Tarkin's basically uh, repertoire of abilities is even more astounding. Because I was just sitting there like, he's going to get in the V-Wing and he's going to be next to Vader and he's going to keep up with him. Are you kidding me? Like, Vader's the best star pilot in the galaxy. But I just think the fact that, again, he can hold his own, he knows what he's doing, he has his own backstory, and he basically made a planet become his, like, not, not like his people, but he was the governor of an entire planet. Everyone respected him and everyone was a little upset when he stepped down. But then he went back with Palpatine and now look where he is. So... I just think every every little piece of lore was amazing in this novel. Yeah, and that scene you mentioned with the V-Wings and everything, we're so used to Darth Vader always being the guy to get his hands dirty for the Empire and do all of the hard work and everything because he is obviously one with the Force and can do all of these insane things that others can't, but... To see someone like Tarkin getting in that ship and flying next to Vader, a lot of people would probably say, well, he has such a high title in the Empire. Why is he doing this instead of just having someone else do it for him? And I think, you know, in the Empire, that's sometimes how things work, but not all the time because these higher ups probably don't want the underlings to catch on to what they're actually doing in the empire so sometimes you know drastic measures have to be taken so that these guys who end up being grand moths or even you know like palpatine they have to do things themselves in order to sort of keep secrets in the empire from anyone who isn't at that need to know level and i think you know that scene is a great example of the empire doing things sort of to save their own skin. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's just unbelievable. That's, that's like the whole thing is I think that I always like say about Tarkin. It's just like, there's so much about this guy that was just like, you go and wild and like you sit there and you're like, I wish he would have gotten past like uh, the death star. I wish he could have gotten past. And I know there's a comic somewhere that's, like Palpatine's super pissed at Vader for like the Death Star, but I always wonder is like he lost Tarkin, like he lost his one of his basically best officers since before the Clone Wars, since before Palpatine was even Chancellor. So right. you put that into perspective, that's about like oh man, by the time the Death Star it's about forty years. So like you have this guy that's been working for you for forty years and doing everything you ask and making sure it's done correctly and sticking by your side no matter what. And then he's gone. It's just like, man, I wish there was just a bit more about him every time. So it was nice to see this in between, you know, A New Hope and the end of the Clone Wars. And I'm, no catalyst goes from the Clone Wars to basically A New Hope. So there's definitely Tarkin in there. I know it, obviously. But can't wait to see, like, what's in there that I can dig out. 
like I mentioned, he gets promoted to Grand Moff during this book. And one thing we haven't touched on yet is the Tarkin doctrine, which that sort of happens at the end when he's being interviewed or he gives a statement to the media. And basically the Tarkin doctrine becomes the new normal for the military, essentially. And I think it's just one of those things that also shows just how much power he has within the empire and you know it becomes like i said that it becomes the new imperial military doctrine to be specific and it's just you know it's not something that is a huge focus in the book but it's something that makes a difference in the empire for years to come essentially right and i think because the tarkin doctrine basically dictates that the empire is basically like the best way to politically go through the world, if I remember right. And there's parts in the book that even like uh, foreshadow that. Like I'm pretty sure there's a quote somewhere in the book where uh, Tarkin says to Count Dooku, government, even if ineffectual, is still the best way to like handle things. And so this is a form of government. That's what a lot of people don't realize. Like this empire is a form of government. And Tarkin has always stood by the fact that no matter what, if you can keep peace if you can keep order, then it will work out. And that's why he stuck with uh, the Republic, and that's why he stuck with the Empire. He just figured out that, like, this is the best way to keep the infrastructure, and this is the best way to improve it, because we are trying to set a standard. And this is our standard, and if you don't like it, then get out, basically, or we'll make you. Yeah, and the, doc- the doctrine ended up le- leading to the Death Star sort of being finished faster than they had originally planned. They accelerated the development on it and everything because what Tarkin said to the media sort of convinced the Emperor that he was right and that it was the best way to sort of govern and it's essentially governing through fear. You know, you're going to build this Death Star that can destroy a planet in an instant as we've seen quite a few times now. And it's just literally the most powerful thing the Empire could possibly have unless they manage to make a Death Star that can, you know, destroy multiple worlds at once. But that would be a little more unreasonable considering how far away all of the worlds have to be. But, you know, it's just terrifying how powerful the Empire can become and how easily they have managed to build a Death Star. Obviously, it's something that was a long process, but the fact that they can just sort of snap their fingers and get it done faster is a huge testament to how the Empire is run. Yeah, and I th- yeah, and a lot of it's getting uh, unveiled in new canon material about exactly what processes were taken to make the Death Star, like especially with Geonosis, but I definitely think that for what the Empire is and how it's being portrayed, it's really interesting just all around to see all the little processes, all the people that were involved, and how much, essentially you can look at how much the rebels made and took to strike back, but you also have to take into consideration like how much the Empire gave, took, and lost just to get to any point. So it's really cool, it's a really cool dichotomy, and I don't know, at the end of the day, it's great story all around, but 
I definitely think that what's been happening in the new canon has been a lot of fun. And every single time the Empire is portrayed, whether it's in Ahsoka, whether it's... I'm really sure um, Catalyst is uh, unbelievable, but anytime it's been portrayed, it's just, this is how they do it, this is what it's like, and that's all you need to know. Like, they don't fuck around. Yeah, and hopefully you finish up Catalyst soon and really enjoy that, because... Personally, I was like, okay, a lot of things make a lot more sense now. And it wasn't that Rogue One didn't make sense. It made perfect sense. But it's just, you know, Catalyst allows them to expand even more on some of the characters that maybe people wish they could have seen more of in the movie. But, you know, with a movie, you have a limited amount of time to sort of do something with and obviously reading a book typically takes longer than watching a movie does unless you're some sort of speed reader or you know you can quickly memorize every word on a page but I think you know between Tarkin and Catalyst James Luceno just focuses on all the right points for these characters and personally I've really enjoyed both of the books and I think these sort of character-focused books are really going to be huge hits down the line as they add more and more of them to canon. Definitely. And it's, I know a lot of people are sitting on the like verges of where they're going to go next and when they're going to start tackling things in the Old Republic or what, but I just, yeah, I think right now for what we have, this is great content. And uh, I definitely think for people who love just the original Star Wars that Tarkin is, such an interesting read just because you get more of that character and even like that he could almost be almost a main villain because he is so demanding of doing things through fear and doing things the right way and this novel expands on how he got there yeah exactly well that wraps up what i have on the book is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to hit on before we wrap this up um no the only thing i just want to hit on is that um, again, his first name is Will Huff. We never said that, but <laughs> Will Huff Tarkin, the, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of glad they just go with Tarkin because I feel like Will Huff is quite a strange name and it doesn't sound quite as powerful as Tarkin does. <laughs> right. And it was James Luceno, I'm pretty sure, that gave Palpatine his first name, which is Sheev. And I don't remember if that was from Darth Plagueis or somewhere else, but I'm pretty sure that... Either James Luceno just likes these, like, kind of off names to go with these, like, good, oh, you only need to say the last name, but Chief Palpatine and Will F. Tarkin, here to save the day. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Sean, for coming on. I know, personally, I'm looking forward to seeing what they announce for James Luceno as far as the Star Wars universe goes next, and, you know, I hope you really do enjoy the rest of Catalyst, and, like I said, when we were going back and forth on Twitter, definitely we'll have you back on this to talk more Star Wars. I know a lot of people like Star Wars, so these episodes typically do pretty well. So I'm always down to talk Star Wars with you. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely want to do more. I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. I can't even wait to see what's happening next in Rebels. Like, I keep up every single week a show comes on. So I just... I can't believe what they're doing. I'm so happy that Star Wars is back, like, for good. Just to be in my 20s and see everything that's happening, I'm happy. So this is just really cool. To, even, like, even now, we can be just podcast about this. I love it. 
<laughs> right. And as always, to our listeners, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.